you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Andy Storch Show. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And today I've got an interview for you with an interesting guy named Mr. Terry Weaver. And uh, Terry is a speaker, an author, an event host. He's a podcaster. He's an ideapreneur. And he's got a passion to see others live life alive. Uh, we've got a lot in common whether through helping others see their dreams become reality, traveling around the world, challenging students to change the world, leading teams of people to do together more than they could do alone, or hanging out with Mickey Mouse. Terry has the author of the book called Making Elephants Fly, the podcast by the same name. Uh, he's a Disney fanatic. He's a longtime coach, uh, speaker, and trainer. And uh, in this episode, we talk a lot about his journey coming up through the music industry, uh, how he helps people overcome their fears and follow their dreams and a lot about the live event he runs called The Thing or The Thing Live which happens in May in Orlando and uh, he recently asked me to speak be one of the opening speakers at The Thing Live uh, which is coming up again in May in Orlando uh, you can go check out the website at thething.live to find out information and of course he talks all about it in this interview who it's for what it's about how he got started I'm fascinated, of course, by live events and people hosting live events as I just finished hosting my first conference. And so I wanted to see what I can learn from him. And I hope that you take some value away from this interview as well. And then uh, Terry also interviewed me on his podcast, Making Elephants Fly. And you can go listen to that on his podcast when that comes out. I'm not sure if it will be by the time this publishes, but check out Terry's event at thething.live and hope you enjoy this interview. Cheers. Terry Weaver, welcome to the Andy Stewart Show. Hey, man, welcome. You got your name on a podcast or a show or something, right? Yeah, I do. You know, I, you, the crazy thing is I didn't have to be nominated, didn't have to apply. I just started the podcast and then like, put my name on it and hope people would listen. Which is easy, but also seems so complex. You and I were just kind of yammering about before we started that just the sheer volume of people who think they need like a like a permission or like a, they have like a formula that's supposed to be followed. It's or there's true. like this grand poobah giving out a set of rules for all podcasts. Right. And everybody lives by their own rules. And like, you know, rule number one, I've been podcasting for about three years now. I don't know about you, but rule number one, they always say is, is be consistent, right? That's the, the biggest rule. And I just know I'm consistently inconsistent basically with everything I do other than a few <laughs> things. And I'm all over the place. And so I used to have the entrepreneur hot seat. That's when I started. And about a year and a half ago, I changed this to the Andy Storch Show. And one of the things I said when my friend Reggie convinced me to do that was, you know what I like about this is I can run it however I want. And if I miss a week, like so be it. And if I release two episodes the next week, like so be it. That's how I'm going to run my podcast. And I don't think anybody can complain because it's called the Andy Storch Show. It's not called the consistently, I will have an episode for you every Monday at 5 a.m. So like most people say they will. So. Yeah, and the consistency thing, I mean, I've been podcasting for about that long. Mm. I probably have enough episodes to make up a year of podcasts. Yeah. You know, there's just seasons of like, when it's really easy and it's really fun. And I'm in the middle of one of those seasons right now where it's like, I finally got like an editor that handles it for me. And so like, nice. that makes it fun. And so, I mean, I think that's what, 
That's what entrepreneurship is, man. It's just like stripping away the things that you know you're not great at and trying to focus as much as you can on the things that you love and the things that you know you're great at. Well, let's let's dig into that because you know, I did a little introduction for you before we came in. Uh, you know, I know you're you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a podcaster, much like me doing a lot of different things. You also are like me, an event host. Uh, you've been doing it a little bit longer than me, but that's uh, I feel like we're in a rare company there, small group of people who are willing to take that leap and uh, and try to host their own uh, event. You're an ideapreneur, and you're also, I hope I'm not wrong in saying, obsessed or at least very um, fascinated with Disney and Disney culture, and that's something you share a lot with the people, and I think that inspires a lot of things that you do, right? And you and I got to know each other a little bit recently through a mutual friend, Justin Shank. We met at his conference, the Growth Now Movement Live event last year, where you were the opening speaker. And uh, we've kind of kept in touch, but I never really got your full backstory. And I'm kind of curious, I know you were, you've got a long history of speaking and other things, curious like how you got into all of this. You know, I think one of the things that we often discount is like, like even go back to what we were talking about before, is like there's this magical path that you have to take. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the path, it sort of does look like a magical path that you just kind of wander and all of a sudden, like you blink and you're somewhere. <laughs> like, and that's kind of what it's felt like for me. You know, my journey started, I was in college in Northern Virginia. And I went to this group of people and they said, hey, you, you're pretty good at communicating. You should do more of that. I'm like, okay, would you go speak to this youth retreat this weekend? I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. The next thing you know, I was like barely 18 and I was a youth pastor. And I started like traveling and speaking pretty early, quickly, and getting paid to speak at like youth groups and colleges. And that's sort of how, you know, I, I got started in that, in that process. I'm giving you the, the escalated version of it. In that process, I was starting right. to hang out with a lot of musicians. And it was through that process that I realized how much I understood about brands and coaching and how I was able to kind of, um, I use the word hover, you know, kind of get above a situation, look at it and kind of figure out, okay, here's where we are. Here's the obstacles in between where we are and where we want to be that a lot of people just can't see. Um, that's why they bring in coaches. And so I was doing that. I was doing that for musicians I was running into. I was doing a lot of it for the people that were hosting me to speak. You know, they picked me up from the airport. And as I packed my luggage in the backseat of their car, they had a whole bunch of luggage that they needed to unpack on me. They were in the middle of a job they didn't like or in the culture they didn't like. And so I quickly found myself trying, doing a lot of coaching and really didn't, you know, at the time that was, you know, that was the early 2000s. It really didn't have a name. And the only people that you knew that were coaches had a whistle around their neck at that point. Right. It really wasn't like a prominent career. And so we moved, we moved to Nashville in 2001. I spent 10 years working with musicians and managing artists and developing artists, getting artists signed, getting artists to the Grammy stage. And through the latter half of that, the music industry started to kind of fall apart, um, especially where the revenue was coming from. And the work was getting really, really hard and finding people who were willing to do that work. And willing to stick with it because I, you know, spoiler alert, hate to break your heart, but you know, talent. It's funny because you one of your other one of your other shows, you know, about talent. Right. You know, talent doesn't always equal success. Mm. You know, we think that most of the time the people that really have the greatest success are those that lack the skills and those that are willing to be scrappy and not give up. And so, 
in my case, I was finding a lot of really talented people who didn't want to work and a mm. lot of semi-talented people who were willing to, to sweat and do what I call kind of the non-sexy work. You know, everybody wants to take the stage for an hour and have people, you know, throw money at them for tickets and CDs. It was a little, little plastic disc people used to put in their car to listen to music if you don't know what a CD is. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> nobody wants to do the hard work of, you know, driving 12 hours through the night. Nobody wants to do the hard work of locking yourself in a, in a cabin for a weekend and writing great music. Nobody wants to practice yeah. five days a week to get ready for a big opportunity. And so, you know, kind of through that process, I kind of, uh, to quote, you know, the, the song from Top Gun, I, I kind of lost that love and feeling for it, man. I just, <laughs> I was just, I was done. I was over yeah. it. And through that time, I started to do school assemblies. And that was kind of my aha moment. That was kind of my, okay, this is, this is opening up new opportunities. And, uh, you know, the bands, a lot of the bands I was working with, we go in the school and we'd be in front of, you know, 10,000 kids in a week. Hmm you know, pretty amazing. And my school assembly talk is about people that changed history. And one of those people that I've always looked to is Walt Disney. And so it's funny that looking back, the book I'm working on right now goes back to that moment, you know, in 2009 or 10, when that research process started. It's interesting that when you look back at your life, you're able to see how the little seeds that were planted and how like they may have stayed dormant for a long time, but then all of a sudden like, wow, this is turning into something I didn't expect it to in the long tail. And so, yeah, man, now, you know, now I'm an author, speaker, coach, podcaster. You know, if you haven't figured it out, I have ADD. Um, <laughs> Join the club. You know, I don't and, have official ADD, but I definitely be, like to be doing a lot of, like I was reading your bio, and I was like, oh, very similar to me. We do like 10 things. Well, and there's a tenseness around that, but I don't understand why, right? Like, I don't understand yeah. the tension around that because, I use this analogy and it's so true. You know, if you won the lottery, you wouldn't take all of your winnings and invest them in one company. Right. People would look at you like you're an idiot. Unless yeah. the day we're recording this, you invested them all in Sprint and they had a 77% increase in one day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't do that with money, right? Yeah. But so many of our friends do that with their lives. Mm. They invest their entire life and their entire being in one job that they hate. And then they <laughs> right. get to the end of their life and wonder what happened. Yeah. And say things like, you know, man, I wish and what if, could you imagine? And mm. I try to live my life like I'm not ever going to have to say those things because I've done it. I've at least given it the old college or the old, you know, I'm normally a four or five strike guy before I quit. <laughs> you know, I normally <laughs> like, oh man, yeah. like, th this failed miserably. Let's do it again. Because that's the only way you learn and that's the only way you get better. And so I think rather than looking at, you know, that's a weakness. A lot of people say, man, ADD, you know, that's something that because, mm. but it's what keeps me excited when it comes to like things like fixing an event website and other things distract you. Like, yeah, that doesn't serve you so well. But there's other times when it's like, man, that those skills really are helpful when you're able to bounce between things, you know, and come back with fresh eyes. You know, you're, you're able to kind of be your own guru sometimes because you're able to come back to something like, oh man, I haven't even... I haven't even been in this space in a couple of days and I haven't even thought about it. And so now I'm yeah. here and I'm kind of fresh Yeah. rather than like the nine to five drudgery of, Oh man, we were working on this all day yesterday. Now what are we doing? And then speaking and consulting most days I'm solving a problem that I've never faced before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like that. There's so many things to unpack there, but I, I love what you said about 
you know, basically you don't want to get to the end and have any regrets, right? You want to try it. There's things that you want to do. And so you try to do them, even if you might fail the first couple of times. Yeah. And I'm glad you're on this podcast. I was my mission is to fulfill my true potential and inspire other people to do the same. And I know you're on a, a similar mission to help people try those things, you know, follow their dreams, fulfill their potential. And, and some dreams are crazy, but nothing is impossible. And the thing I always come back to when people tell me about things they really want to do, you know, and they can't decide whether to pursue it or not, is to ask the question, like, are you going to regret it later if you don't? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the big question. And if the answer is yes, then I think you need to give it a shot. Well, and I think the other thing to look at is nothing is permanent, right? Like 90% of the work we do is digital. We're not engraving things in stone anymore. You know? right. It's mostly things that, that and a lot of us are doing work that's never been done before or never been done the way the way that we would have to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, nothing is permanent. So, you know, I mean, that's that always, you know, what is there to lose if you try? And a lot of people, the answer is, you know, I might lose my job. Well, right now, the idea of losing your job in the County we live, I know this stat because my, my wife is always looking for employees. I think the unemployment is 2.7% in our County right now. Yeah, and nationwide, so we're at a pretty, like a, in the U.S. at least, uh, all-time low or 50-year low or something like that. So if losing your job is your concern and you have talents and skills, you got a pretty good shot of just uh, <laughs> taking a swing, realizing you've missed, and going back and getting an, another job that you may, may like better than the one that you had that you hated. Right. So like the worst-case scenario path is what, I, you know, what that is. It's really not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, I find when I talk to people and I do a little bit of coaching as well, probably not as much as you, but people when they face their fears and they talk about their, what you know they're afraid to make a leap or or try something big, and they think about failure, their mind often goes from I've got this secure job, I'm going to try this thing, I'm going to fail, and then I'm going to be homeless on the street. And it's yep. like, well, wait a minute. I mean, do you have friends that will help you? Can you go get another job if things don't work out? Well, yeah, probably. You know, it rarely does it have the worst case scenario happen, right? There's always backups. Yeah, there's always a lot of layers between you quitting and being homeless. Right, definitely. So you, you've done a lot of different things, right? And the meandering path. And, you know, lately with regards to speaking and you've got this book, Making Elephants Fly. Uh, tell me about that because it's a unique title. It's intriguing. And I know that's about a lot about making the impossible possible, right? Yeah. So for me, being an entrepreneur, you end up in coffee shops a lot. You end up with that's kind of where your (laughs) your external office. Yep. You know, both of us, I think, are blessed to have home offices. But sometimes you just need to get out and about. And when there's a season when you're not traveling, you realize like, wow, I haven't interacted with another human in society today. (laughs) It might, you know, in a couple of days, it might just be a good idea to, to shower and leave the house and go cross paths and maybe someone else is living and breathing. Right. Because my dog is tired of hearing from me. And so, you know, I, I hung out in coffee houses a lot. And I kind of just, when you kind of have a, reg- a couple of regular coffee hangs, you end up kind of like getting to know those people. Mm-hmm. And I quickly discovered like there were all these people that moved to Nashville with big, massive dreams. And none of them had dreamed of making my coffee. <laughs> right. You know, like that wasn't their goal. They were here to like, you know, it's Music City or they were here to chase an adventure. They were from a small town in the Midwest and wanted a new adventure. But somehow, to pay the bills, they decided to make coffee. And 
at the same time I was sitting there on Facebook and somebody had posted a quote by Walt Disney that it's, if, if you can dream it, you can do it. Yep. Which strangely enough, isn't a, anything Walt Disney ever said. Oh, really? Everybody attributes that to Walt Disney. Yeah. Hallmark even sells it as Disney licensing, which is really funny that they license a product that he really didn't say. Now, now Marty Scalar, who was known for writing a lot of Walt's content, wrote it for a ride in Epcot with Figment. And it's from that one little spark. Imagination. There you, yes, that's nice. all, yes. Love it. That, that attraction. I know that ride. I know it well. There you go. But they were just, they were having a discussion about that. And I said, I said something to the effect that, you know, Walt Disney really had a belief that if he could make an elephant fly in a movie, that his Imagineers could make it fly in a theme park. Hmm. And so at the same time, I was in the coffee shop and I was literally talking to this kid about the elephant in the room of like him, not him showing up every day to make my coffee rather than write the music he came to town to work on. And yeah. so those, that, those kind of two moments clashed at one point. And I began to kind of think about, you know, making elephants fly. Like I have a lot of friends that need to make their elephants fly. And kind of my process for ideas is, you know, I say the things that we're made to do, you know, we chase things, but the things that we're made to do chase us. And yeah. that was an idea that I just couldn't shake, man. And like the last thing I wanted to write a book, like I, I'm probably in someone's slide deck when they talk about teaching English to kids, you know, like when this kid came to class, it ruined me. Like my <laughs> second grade teacher had a nervous breakdown and, re- and never taught again after she had me in my class. Yeah. Her class. And so, yeah, man, I, it, I'm an unlikely author, but you know, I mean, I just went back to the, that stuff that I was studying when I was trying to do school assemblies. And so I was like, Oh, let me try to write a book. And I wrote the book with a purpose of one helping people, but also wanting to helping to get like more corporate speaking gigs. Right. But the central message of the book is chase your dreams. Yeah. Leave your so, job, follow your dreams. <laughs> yeah. It's so like, uh, turns out, you know, there aren't a lot of companies that want me to come into their sales conference and tell everyone to quit. And so, like, I'm in the middle of writing a different book now for that purpose. Okay. That was an idea I had, like, I had to do it. I had, it was the log that was going to jam the whole river. Like, I couldn't do anything else until, like, I got that book out of me. Yeah, but you obviously felt a strong pull and you said you couldn't do anything else. It was pulling on you. The idea found you. And these things happened to me, too. And I ended up chasing them. And I had this... I wrote down this, you know, sometimes I have these, you and I both post a lot on social media and I had this idea for this post that I don't think I posted it, but I used to think I didn't have many ideas and now I have a lot of them and I'm actually pursuing a lot of them. And one of them was to write a book as well. And I think I had the idea in November and I started writing it January 1st and I'm like halfway through writing it now. And I know there's a lot more work that I have to do. You know, we, we could talk about how interesting it is where these ideas come from. But the point and the thing I think about and it's not just about bragging about me, it's us, that you have an idea and you take action on it. And so many other people have these ideas and they just sit on them for years or they think, well, I don't know if anybody would read that or buy that or go for that, or I don't know if I have time for that, or I don't know if it'll be any good. Instead of just taking action and making the elephant fly and you you had that idea and you jumped on it, you felt compelled like you had to do it and you went out and, and wrote the book, even though it may have, like you said, if you thought it through, maybe it didn't get you quite the end result that you wanted, but you still got a book we're talking about it and a podcast and we're talking about it on a podcast right now. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, because I, you know, we get so caught up on like ideal, right? 
and I'm dude, I'm all about begin with the end in mind, you know, mm-hmm. forecast plan, like look at your life, figure out what you want the end of it to look like and, and work backwards. I'm all in. I do the same thing with events. What do I want the person who leaves my event? What do I want them to think, feel and be ready to do when they leave? Like, I think, I think that way. It's important to think that way. But sometimes, you know, we have to just be in the moment and like create what we have. And for me, uh, and maybe when people say they don't have any ideas, I'm like, really? Like, I don't know anyone in my life. And, and maybe it's because, you know, you're the average of the people you hang around with, quote, yeah. you know, the Jim Rohn quote. But I don't know anyone in my life that doesn't have too many ideas. Everyone around me is just like, I could sit down with almost anyone I know and say, hey, tell me five things you're thinking about doing right now. And almost everyone I know would have five. And then I, I, there's another group of parents that would, could probably go to 500. Yeah, like, that is, but that is a product of the people that you hang around with. I mean, my friends are, and you included are in the same boat. However, I would say five plus years ago, if you asked me that question, like, tell me about an idea you, you're thinking about pursuing, you know, business perspective, book, whatever, I would say like, oh, I don't, I don't think I have any. And I don't know if my friends have any. Their idea is to go to work, go to the gym, like, and the idea is they're thinking about what vacations they're going to take. And there's nothing wrong with that. But because I've been investing and going to so many events and conferences and reading so many books and talking to really interesting people like you, now I have millions of ideas and so many things I want to pursue. I don't have enough time. I have to prioritize. And I think we're in similar circles where we hang around with a lot of people that are like that. But I don't think the vast majority of people are, are necessarily like brimming with ideas. Now, they could, they could come up. They're all capable. It's just a matter of like, are they connecting with the sparks to light those matches to get those ideas flowing. I believe that a lot of them have said things like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if you... Yeah. Hey, someone should create a... And maybe they're ideas that they haven't taken like personal ownership of. Right. But I, def, I definitely think that people have had those like, oh, you could make a better coffee cup. Someone could fix this coffee cup where it does True. this. People, people say things in passing, but they don't really believe in their own abilities to go do something about it. I mean, that used to be me at least. Right. And, and that's, that's definitely true. They're not willing to take possession of the idea. Right. And they say things like, to, oh, they should. They should. Or I right. wish there was a. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, that's cultural too. And that's, and it's people like these conversations that we have. And that's been one of my selfish reasons for getting into podcasting to have conversations that make me better. You know, and, podcasting for me has been way more powerful in my life than reading has ever been. Yeah. They've both been powerful for me, but podcasting no, sure. For has, sure. Absolutely, has absolutely changed my life. I agree. And I want to go back to the idea thing for one second. I do. I think. I think it's also worth mentioning that when you do have a lot of ideas, you got to prioritize. There are yes. some ideas that are not worth pursuing, or that really yes. are out of. I know you. You're all about making the impossible possible, but there's some that are kind of outside of your realm of ability. Like you're in your car, and you're like, you know, before Honda came out with the, I think they put like a vacuum in the minivan. Like someone should put a vacuum in the minivan. Like you're going to create your own minivan, right? You got to just wait for Honda, I think, <laughs> to do that. Yeah, I call it the Speedo principle. I'm a chubby fellow. Yeah. So like no one's going to be calling me from Speedo and saying, hey, Men's Fitness Magazine called. Uh, <laughs> now, that's not to say that I couldn't get in shape. and like, Right. But I'm never going to be a, a fitness model, right? right? Like there's a lot I could change in my life. And I'm working on some of those things. But I also yeah. know that like there are some things, like you said, that are not even like possible. They're just ridiculous. Like, yeah. I played basketball this morning at the Y and uh, had a really great morning. I, I texted my friend and bragged to him that I went 4-0. And he's like, oh, NBA is next. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think no, so. I don't think so. Yeah. Pretty yeah. sure that's out of the realm of possibility for a 40-year-old man 
who didn't play high school basketball. Yeah, and, and like the WNBA is not even probably possible. No, it's not even a, no, <laughs> WNBA is not even in the even if they let a man in, it wouldn't be a right. Great so let's go, going back to like taking an idea and turning it into reality. I want to talk about the event that you run called the Thing. You've got a couple, and again, this is probably an area where a lot of people think like, "Oh, it'd be cool to have a conference or an event about X," but I'm not going to. That's a ton of work. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but you've done it. So tell me about the background on that and what the the event's all about. And you're right. Like a lot of these things happen around culture, right? Mm-hmm. And the people you're around yourself. And so me, I kind of took inventory of two groups of friends I had. I had a group of friends that were crazy talented, but were like under the radar. You know, they were speakers, they were authors, but you know, they weren't blowing up every stage. People didn't know who they were. They had amazing content. And then I had another group of friends and some of them were clients or they were part of a membership group that I was a part of. And they had these big dreams and these big aspirations, but they were stuck in analysis paralysis and they didn't know what to do with them. So I was like, huh, I wonder if I could take this group of people that maybe underrated and undervalued and pair them with this group of people that doesn't know where to begin. And I think when you, when you start to, to talk about the idea of creating and crafting and curating an event, at least for me, I, I don't know what your experience was. I kind of thought, what would my dream event look like? Yep. If I could create the ideal experience, what are the things that would be a part of it? I made the mistake of thinking I couldn't do it on my own. And I had done an event with a, with a business partner. We had created an event. I, I, I mem- we led a membership program together. That was kind of wrapping up and he had bought me out. And, and so I was like, okay, maybe I should, I need to do this differently. We had done it in LA. It had some Disney tie-ins. So it's like, okay, hey, let's just pull this to I've always, I always wanted to do an event in Orlando. You know, Orlando is just one of those places where people, people instantly think events. Um, and really cool people live there too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a city. <laughs> it's a city. I think Orlando has become that city. You know, Austin's that city. Nashville's yeah. that city. Yeah. LA, New York, Chicago. They're just cities where, where there's, where people tend to go to do something. Right. I don't know why that is. Uh, Jeff Goins explored that a little bit in his last book. The, uh, the Don't Starve as an artist book that he just that he released a couple oh, years ago. Real artists don't starve. Real artists don't starve. There you go. I don't know why people go to cities. They just but <laughs> but I but I think it's true that cultures attract us. Like yeah, there's a certain thing happening, an ethos happening, and we notice it. You know, for me, I came to Nashville. I rolled down downtown Franklin and went, oh, I know all these really cool people here. Let's live here. It's, yeah, it's better than where we live now, and it's cheaper at the time. Right. Um, that's sort of changed here now. But so, you know, with producing an event, and so, you know, we decided to go for it. That was in 2000 and I think 17 when we did the first thing in Orlando. And, you know, we got through it at a business partner that just, he wanted to make it really about him. Mm. And one of the reasons it wasn't Terry Weaver presents the thing is I did never want it to be about me. So that, that was a fatal flaw that I made. I thought I had laid the vision out really clear. But, you know, sometimes when you, when you get somebody on board, for some reason, events and music tend to attract people who think that they're these opportunities for fame and fortune. Right. They're an opportunity to lose a fortune. Yeah. And they're an opportunity to become infamous. There are, um, the opportunities are there, but it's a lot of work and uh, it doesn't happen for, for the majority of people. Yeah. And even when you do make a ton of money, you end up going, okay, that was really good. Now we're going to have to level up the next time. 
right? And, and invested all back in it to be able to pull it off. Yeah, because you know, spoiler alert: the hotel wants a new deposit. You need to confirm people and book flights, and if you're doing that, Michael Stelzner um, just had a great podcast. I'll, I'll get you the link where he talked about events and how the event space is changing. He's the, the guy that runs Social Media Marketing World. Right, which is just and, huge. It's like 5,000 people. I, yeah, think. I went last year in San Diego. It's, it's a crazy event. Yeah. He did a great podcast interview. I'll send it to you so you can put it in your show notes. Cool. Just kind of the how to do events in 2020, basically. But yeah, man, you know, events, the first year we, we got through it, we made a little bit of money, but he walked away with most of it. I didn't get... Hmm. He paid his kids. Um, that was where the that was where the profits went. So it's like cool, but you know, at least at least we kind of walked away at zero. Yeah, um, yeah, and we haven't, thank God, lost money yet. I mean, we we have definitely haven't made a lot, but but we're at the point where I feel like, man, this is this is the fourth year in Orlando, our second year at the Embassy Suites in Lake Buena Vista, and, and now know, it's just it's your event, right? You said it's that my event. Partner walked away, um, yeah. and you're not making a ton of money on it. Like, and I can and I know event host and I've done it myself now and I know there's it's tough to make a lot of money. So there's usually other reasons. So why are you doing it? Do you get clients from it? Is it just about the joy of connecting people? Like why do you put on this event? All of the above, man. I think it's, you know, I think we are at the point where it's this should be a year where we do where it does generate some revenue enough to make it we're like, wow, that was really worth my time. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think there's any any other mode or any other way to really create the magic that happens at events yeah, through live events. I mean, even, you know, I, that event that I met you at with Justin, it's like we connected kind of randomly like a VIP thing. And then like we were at breakfast the next day. And then that's right. Like, I think I hopped in your booth for a minute and gave yeah. you four or five ideas. And like, that that's just right. doesn't, that doesn't happen anywhere. Right. right. Like yep. it's because environments create energy. They create culture. They create, People who have a like-minded, even though I live in an awesome city, every place I go isn't full of people who have like-minded goals. Yeah, and the yeah. event usually creates uh, some common thread, yes. uh, which is what you need to get a conversation started quickly and easily versus everybody just sitting around like, uh, I don't know if I want to talk to them. When you're at a, a conference like the one we went to, the um, Growth Now Movement, I think there are about 100 people there. Just about everybody knew Justin in some way, right? The host. Right. The easy first question is like, oh, how do you, how do you know Justin? How'd you find out about this? And then the conversation is started. Yeah. Right? You have that common thread and you're probably interested in personal development or entrepreneurship or something like that. So, you know, let's talk about it. And then it's easy to jump right into that conversation. Yeah. And even Justin, man, he's on his second year of an event. He lost his venue in the middle of it. You know, mm-hmm. like, like events are hard. Like there's challenges. Yeah. I mean, you you had a dang fire in the middle of <laughs> trying to put on your event, you know? Right. Like, exactly. Like, you know, to answer your question, why doesn't everybody act on their ideas? Because ideas are hard. Events are hard. Yep. Saying yes to doing what you know you're made to do is hard because it's, I think in business in 2020, the get rich quick days of everything, if, if, it, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Yep. But if you're willing to play the long game, if you're willing to invest in people and invest in relationships, like I mentioned, like the idea that I had in 2009 is just not really, I'm seeing where that is. I'm seeing that come out. Like I'm seeing relationships, you know, of people that I met, you know, in 2006 and we're doing stuff together now. Yeah. You know, McNair Wilson, who I travel with and we do a lot of speaking together. And he was one of the main motivators for doing the event. Him and I met in 1993 Hmm. and we didn't talk for 10 years, you know, like, yeah. 
And so if you're willing to play the long game, if you're willing to be patient, I think a lot of amazing things could happen in your life and, and happen in and your And invest, business. right? And go invest in, in learning growth, in conferences and connecting and meeting people and building relationships and doing it the right way. Yeah, I go back to, in the beginning, you were talking about when you're dabbling in the music industry and you got disillusioned because so many people had visions of grandeur, but they weren't really willing to do the work. And I see this now that I'm kind of involved on both sides in speaking, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get into doing more speaking and also hosting my own event. I see it so clearly now because I get, and you probably get this too, I get tons and tons of emails, cold email from people who are like, how do I apply to speak at your event? You know, thinking they can just send an email and all of a sudden they're going to be on my stage. And I tell all of them no, because I don't know who the hell you are. Like, I just like yep. you, I want to have a personal relationship. And on the flip side, I invited a couple of people to speak at our conference because they had invested in our relationship. They had become a friend. And I knew they cared about me and cared about the event. And so it was easy to invite them. And I'm starting to get some speaking gigs for the same reason, including, you know, at the event that you're running in May. And it's just like, it's so obvious when you get to it, it's like, oh yeah, you just build relationships with people, like opportunities come, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money too, and a lot of time and a lot of work. And the same thing applies to podcast interviews, man. Yep. There's this one company, and if I mentioned them on the show, I know you know, would know who they are. I got like seven different people, like them either from a web form or a Facebook message or an email pitching someone that ought, that ought to be on my podcast. I don't know any of these people. I've never talked to the company, to the clients. Right. right. But I'm friends with the owner of the company on Facebook because I met them through someone else. Yeah. And I literally think I'm just going to call them up one day this week and say, hey, I know I don't know you, but I, I would love to come teach your staff the power of relationships mm. and how you, if you would just take the time to get to know me and get to know my people and rather than sending, getting on my website literally and filling out a stupid form <laughs> telling me why I should have Buford Jones on my podcast. Well, I don't right. know you. I don't have a relationship. Right. You've probably, if we're going to be honest, have never taken the hour to listen to my podcast. Right. And know what I'm even trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, and so, man, relationships are so easy, but very few people. I, I, there was a huge conference in town last week in Nashville. And my wife is always so super supportive about it. I was like, I think I should go up there and hang out. She's like, heck yeah, you should go up there and hang out. That's what you do. Leave me home right. and go spend the day developing relationships because that's that's how we change our life mm. that's how magic happens and like i had no agenda I, I had one lunch meeting i went up to meet meet my buddy who lives here angus nelson and said hey man bring a few people we'll, he spoke at the thing last year i was like hey man grab a few people we'll, we'll meet and have tacos and margaritas for lunch and then we'll walk back to the conference and i'll spend the afternoon there until traffic's over at rush hours over in nashville and i'll come home and so that's what i did and i met all kinds of people I got to connect with the kind of people. And I'm sort of in the, like this weird phase where I've been on the road doing this for a while. I've written the book. And in, in certain, it happens at Disney because of the Disney podcast. It happens in a marketing event, like, because people know me. And people, randos just come up and start like, I have no idea who you are taking selfies with me. And that's fun. It's sort of a fun, like, yeah. and by no means am I of a delusion that I've become a celebrity. But it's sort of like, you know, the kid, the shirt that Hot Topic sold when I was in high school that said, I'm big at Japan. Yeah. It's like, I'm big at marketing conferences. Right. I'm big at theme parks where there's millions of, of downloads of a podcast that I'm on. Yeah. People have heard me talk about Disney. Right. Um, and so, like, it's random. It's crazy. 
but if you can leverage those things and turn it into like deeper relationships, and I think that's really why the desire to start an event was, it's because I knew if we'd spend three or four days together, that people would begin to get to know each other. And the collaboration, man, that I've seen out of the thing, one of my favorite things to do at the thing is for the next year for those people to be on the stage telling their story of like, hey, man, I was here last year. I gave you an example. Liz Wilcox is someone who's going to be speaking at the thing last year. Liz came because we were in a Facebook group together and she worked for Jeff Goins and knew that I knew Jeff. Jeff had spoke there the year before and she's like, man, I'd love to come, you know, give a discount code or anything. I was like, hey, here's, you know, kind of our insider discount code. Come on down. She came. She met Roberto Candelario, one of our speakers. They t- he talked about sponsorship. She's like, man, I need to get sponsorship for my, my summit. She went out and got like $40,000 worth of sponsorship. Wow. With what she learned at the conference and what she kind of, that quick lunch that she had with someone that kind of got her fired up. I mean, you want to talk about value? Learning something that you were able to turn into 40 grand. And now she's going to come up and she's gotten clarity and she's kind of rebranding herself and launching a business. And she's like, dude, my dream is to speak on stage. And I was like, well, I'm not Aladdin, but I can make that happen. You know, like <laughs> I have a stage. You know yeah. what I mean? And so, like, that's literally my favorite thing to do. And and to push people into doing what I know. Heck, maybe she might be the communicator that blows everybody's mind. But she's just gonna be a mom that's lived in an RV for the last couple of years and has said yes to doing what she wants. Yeah. And it's gonna tell her story. And I'm super excited for it. And it's gonna okay. hopefully Hopefully you're going to hear and go, man, I need to have her come speak at my conference. And that, yeah. that, that fires me up, right? Because I want to create, if there's any culture I want to be about, I want to create a culture of action takers. Mm. I want to create a group of people that have ideas that knows, hey, I've met this guy. I met this guy, Andy, at the thing. Maybe he can help me. And they pick up the phone or the email or whatever communication you guys have established. And you guys like figure out ways to help each other and serve each other. I want to be in the multiplication game. Yep. And I think events and relationships really allow that to happen. And, you know, if you were, if you're listening today to the show and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do in business. I don't know what to do. For me, there's two hacks that I do for this. One, when I'm in the car, I use my phone old school and I actually call people, people that are in my circle that we don't have an appointment scheduled. There's no Zoom link. I just pick up the phone. And a lot of them, like, you know, we'll call out Justin Shank. They don't ever answer their phone. But at least Justin gets some goofy voicemail for me saying, hey, dude, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of your event. I'm thinking of your business. Let me know if there's any way I can serve. Yeah. I can do other things. I can listen to, to Coldplay on that commute and be just as happy. But I right. would much rather use that time to invest in someone. No, and you've, you've done that with me. We, we've gotten on the phone after we met at the conference. And just to bring it back to the point about the importance of investing and going places and building those relationships. You know, the woman you mentioned who's going to be speaking at, at your conference this year, Liz, she said she had, you know, she has a dream of speaking on stages, right? If if you didn't know her and she just sent you a cold email and said, I have a dream of speaking on stages, you'd be like, who the hell are you? Yep. Lots Sorry. Of people do. Sorry, don't have time for you. Because she bought a ticket, invested in coming down there, meeting people, you saw she's an action taker. Now you're excited. Not just like yep. letting her come on stage. You're excited about her being on stage. And that's a, if she's the same person, it's a huge shift. And, you know, so many people email me and ask, how do I come speak at your conference? And I say, well, we'd love for you to buy a ticket and come get to know us. And then we'll see if we'd be a good fit next year. And guess how many people buy a ticket and come? None. None. None of them do. Because they want the easy fix. They want the easy answer. The, I'll just send you an email. It takes none of my time. Actually, my assistant did it. 
and hopefully you'll say yes. And, and you know what? I love that they don't come. Right. Because I don't want, I don't want you a part of my culture. I don't want you, uh, to use my grandfather's analogy, don't pee off the boat where we're going to be fishing. I don't want you to be that guy. <laughs> like, we're going to fish in this water. And you obviously are the kind of person that's going to do that. So, like, I get it. Like, you've got your motives. I get it. It's business. Yep. That's what you're about. But I have a bigger mission, and that's to serve and to help people. And for me, that's really what it comes down to, is I want to expose people that attend my event. And if you'd like to, you can do that at thething.live. But if somebody wants to come to the thing, I want them to be around a group of speakers. One of the things we don't do at our event is we don't have a green room. My speakers are in the room with everyone. We don't have, you know, backstage area where all of our speakers are hiding out where you can't get to them. Right. Most of them come the entire weekend and sit at the table, open their conference notebook and sit there and take notes. And then when they take breaks, they're surrounded by people who want to talk to them and hang out with them. Right. And a lot of them will, you know, run off in the hallway and go talk to each other and go like, hey, man, let's go to that podcast interviewer. And that's, that's the other thing that's amazing is because of those relationships, a month after the event, I'll start to see everyone appearing on each other's podcast. It's a win for me because they're all talking about, yeah, man, we met at the thing, this that's crazy right. event, yep. you know, like marketing, but it's organic. And we all want like this. That's, that's where I was going back to the phone call thing. I really did have a point with that <laughs> is invest in those stupid things that no one's willing to do. The successful people in this business called climate right now are the people who are willing to get in their car and rather than like listening to their favorite podcast all the time, and I don't do it all the time. I know like if I've got like a short window and that gives me an out, right? Like I know, hey man, I've got like, I got 20 minutes. I can hop on the phone. We can talk for 15 and I'm out. And I, but I also know that like I intentionally reach out to people on a regular basis, just like, hey, let's go have coffee for no reason you know, no like motive other than, man, let's just keep building relationships. Cause if we can build relationships, you and I can probably do some damage together and help a lot of people. And there's not like a, a financial motive to that. There's, there's just a genuine, when you're around people you like, you want to do that anyways. You know, like Justin's a great example. I like hanging out with Justin. It's fun. We always meet and find interesting people and do interesting things. And you know, Justin's one of those guys. He speaks at every one of my events the LA one, the, the Orlando one. And, you know, I'm not even speaking at his event. I'm trying to figure out how to get there just to come and hang out with his people for the weekend. Just because, like, we've decided, like, that, that our relationship matters. And then investing in each other's tribes matter. And so, yeah, man, I, I would say that if you want to be a part of a community, like, get there and, and invest. Like, with your event, I know you're in the middle of planning some crazy things. And it's like, yep. the best way to be a part of that community is to show up and man, there's so many people that have the, the ideas that you and I are talking about. They want to do the things. They talk about the things. I'm kind of calling it the, the Elvis principle. I just interviewed Kathy Heller on my podcast. And I have these weird moments. They mostly happen in the shower because I always shower right before I, I do my afternoon of podcast interviews because it fires me up. I get woken up for the afternoon. But I thought about that song, you know, a, li a little less conversation and a lot more action. Mm. and man like that's my theme for this year like a lot of us who just want to talk about doing i want to be a guy that actually does the things that he dreamed about i want to be the guy that actually accomplished the things and i want to be around people who do that because you know what it's super contagious you know like you man you're starting these events and starting and doing this it's super encouraging to know like well at least there's somebody else out here making big that's swings right. trying to do and stuff. like and the beautiful thing is you know 
that you can pick up the phone or send a text or fire an email away and go, man, I'm in the weeds here. I don't know what to do. Have you ever encountered this? Yep. Have you ever had a venue? Have you ever lost a venue before? You know, I've had somebody ask me that question. You know, like, what do yeah. you do? Like, and the answer is you, you, you reach out and you, you find your friends that know the answers. And yep. if you don't want to succeed, don't ask people questions. <laughs> you know, and, and think that you have all the answers. Um, and yep. so, like, man, I, I've succeeded at this accidentally. And you know, like I, I don't even I don't even consider the thing to be a total success, other than that people are succeeding from it. Yeah, but it's um, a thing, and you've been taking action, and uh, people are connecting, and it's it's great. I call it a bias for action. I love it. So we got to wrap this up, Terry. But for anybody listening who wants to take some action, who should be thinking about coming to the thing, and where do they go to get their tickets? So, you know, I mean, I really designed the event for people that I, you know, when, when Steve Jobs did that famous commercial of here's to the crazy ones, mm-hmm. you know, if you listen to that commercial and go, mm, that's me, yeah. this is the event for you. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a maker, I've been using the word maverick lately. I like that word a lot. Just yeah. you're going to take a path that maybe requires a machete and not a, a paved road. And that's you. Like, that's where these people are gathering. That's where people like Liz who who came and said, hey, I'm living in an RV right now and that's my business, life and business. And now she's like saying, hey, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to help people with sales. If that's you and you, you, you really want to be around a group of people who can help you take that action and you know, when you can have lunch with the speakers and they can kind of pour into you and solve your problems and you know, there's coaches and relationship people there this year. You know, I've asked you to come and speak. You go to a lot of events. Yep. You know, and I said, hey man, can you come and talk about like, how to get the most out of a live event. So right, like, right. you're the second thing on the calendar, on, on the schedule. That's me with Sweet. my opening keynote. And then it's you. Nice. Then, <laughs> Pressure. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I, I'm giving you a really important task because I want, I want people to come. And I'm like, hey man, this guy knows how to come. And I've sat and watched how you do it and how you invest in people and mm. how you learn it. And then how you leverage it afterwards, right? Like how you yep. take action on who you meet. And one of the things I've had to learn this year to, to answer your question is, is having to be okay with like knowing that you're not for everyone. And like, if you just want to come and get fired up and not do anything, the thing is not for you. Hmm. If you want just a motivational event with no like real actual actionable items, this isn't your event. But if you want to learn how to like take action and how to build something and how to like be around people who are going to keep you accountable to that, then man, the thing is your, is your place. And we'd love to have you. You can go to thething.live and join us May 29, 30, and 31. We have some VIP tickets and a VVIP package as well. So all kinds of ways to come and experience it and, and get to know people and, and get in the room. And if you're struggling with like what to do next, we want to help you figure that out. Or if you're there and you're already taking action but want to be around more people that are, then man, come join us. That's awesome. Here's the crazy ones. Here's to the crazy ones. I love it. I'm excited about being there, about speaking on the first day and helping people make those connections, which is where I think, you know, I go to a lot of events, like you said. I always enjoy hearing from some of the speakers, but for me, the value is always in who you meet there. Like you said, the relationships you build. And I'm I'm excited to be able to help people do that more, connect more. And I'm excited to be there at the thing live. Uh, and you can get your tickets at the thing live. All right, Terry, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I appreciate it. This has been uh, an awesome conversation. I think we could probably keep going forever, but we will uh, spare people the extra banter and we'll wrap things up now. 
we got the thing live. Uh, I think you're pretty active on social media as well. Where should people go to, to follow you? Most places these days, I'm Terry the Weaver. Terry the Weaver on Instagram. You can find me at terryweaver.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm still hanging on a thread by Twitter for the last seven <laughs> people that are still using that platform just because it's my favorite. Right. But I, I think it's not what it quite used to be. But I, I'm still there because I love it. But yeah, man, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to connect with people. Everything's linked to terryweaver.com. Got it, terryweaver.com and thething.live. All right, Terry, thanks so much, man. Take care. Thanks, Andy. <laughs>